The word of the Lord is flawless, and his ways are perfect. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Let us listen to the word of God and hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, or follow along on the screens behind me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Will you pray with me? Lord God, help us turn our hearts to you and hear what you will speak. For you speak peace to your people through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, good morning. We have people in the building. I'm excited about that. And we have people who are watching online. I'm also excited about that. So whether you're with us in person or whether you're with us uh, online, uh, my hope and prayer is that you're encouraged, that you're challenged, and that you sense God's presence in a very real, a very palpable way this morning. Now, before I begin, I, w- I want to say a few words uh, about what's happened in our world and society uh, this past 10 days or so. I'm sure you've seen on the news, you've read articles about it. Uh, I'm sure many of you have seen the, the disturbing video with George Floyd as he, he breathes his last breath. Uh, and, and it's evil. It's, it's a disturbance. It should cause us to, to drop, drop to our knees in prayer. Uh, it should break our hearts. It should uh, motivate us to seek how we can be a part as God's people, how we can be a part of bringing about to bear God's good news, his peace, his love, his grace, his justice, and his mercy. The scriptures are very clear that God loves all people and all people are created in his image. And when Jesus walked the earth, time and again, he he broke through barriers, uh, social barriers, gender barriers, um, racial barriers, uh, ethnic barriers. He broke through all sorts of barriers and ministered to people of all types, all races and all backgrounds. And so should we as God's people. And we should have hearts of compassion. We should we should listen and seek for understanding to understand the pain and frustration of our brothers and sisters of color. Uh, we should we should carry their, help to carry their burdens and seek to lift the burdens and address the issues that cause those burdens. And, and we must name racism and, and its devastating effects upon people of color and, and name and confront sin when we see it harm God's people. Now, there are a lot of things going on in the world that cause me to to pray, which worry me. And one of those things is the growing polarization that we see in our world. It's, I mean, it's everywhere. Uh, people taking their stands, staking their turf, 
categorizing people. It's us versus them and hurling pot shots and insults at others. And, and you see this especially on social media in the comment sections after articles. Uh, the heat is turning up and people are getting more and more frustrated and, and angry and, and contemptuous and, 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 and categorizing people and stereotyping people. Now, I saw an interesting article the other day uh, about a research project at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And they were studying comments on, on political articles. And they discovered that half of the comments were not actually generated by human beings. Half of the comments were, were bots, computer-generated bots, set up to create division, to fuel anger and dissension, and to harden hearts and minds between us. Makes you think. Now, there are a lot of things in our world that, we, that should cause us to be frustrated and angry. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you look at the Old Testament prophets. You see uh, several long speeches and in, in almost tirades about the injustice they see in, in the world, about the rich exploiting the poor, uh, about the, the, the widow and the orphans being taken advantage of, and so on and so forth, uh, and, and about God's people and their compromises and their idolatry. Jesus, in the New Testament, um, he speaks often about the effects of sin upon people and cultures. And often his most pointed words are saved for those who, who say they follow God. So as human beings, we're going to get worked up sometimes. We're going to get angry and frustrated because there are things worth getting frustrated about. But we must fight the tendency to categorize people, us versus them, to see people who don't think like us or believe like us, or, or look like us as the true enemy. I mean, when you look at the life of Jesus, and when you read the letters of Paul, or James, or John, or Peter, other people are not viewed as the real enemy. I mean, Jesus, sure, he says to love our enemies and to forgive them. So there's an acknowledgement that there are people who will be opposed to the things of God, who may want to harm us. But Jesus challenges us, commands us to respond in love and service and even forgiveness. So the Bible, it makes it very clear that there's much more going on in our world than the strife and the struggle we see between flawed and perfect human beings living in a flawed and imperfect world, living in flawed and imperfect systems. In fact, the scriptures tell us that we are clearly in a battle, that there's a battle going on in a spiritual realm and that our real enemies are not of this world. Pick it up in James, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So Paul Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this, this, this letter, he's turning our focus away from the material world. You know, the things that we can see and taste and touch and hear. He's turning our focus away from the material world. And that's needed because we live in a material world and, and material things tend to be what consume our, our time and our resources and our affections. Now, in a material world, there are unseen things that, can, that exist that can disrupt our lives without warning. Things like a virus. Can't see it, but it's turned the world upside down. 
But, but viruses, they're still a part of the material world. I mean, if you have the equipment and the skill and the knowledge, you can put it under a microscope and you can see, hey, there's the coronavirus. But Paul warns us, and he, he tells us that there is an unseen world, a realm and a reality that is not material. And you can't put it under a, a microscope and see it, no matter how good the microscope is, no matter how good your skill is, you can't see it. But in this unseen world, it's filled with good and and, and evil with spiritual beings who advocate for us, who want the best for us, and those who want to harm us and destroy us. In this unseen world, the Bible tells us it has profound, serious, and very real effects upon the seen world, the world in which you and I live. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be pulling back the curtain, so to speak, on this unseen world. We're going to be looking at the scriptures and, and, and seeing what it has to tell us about this unseen world. There's a lot to say. We're not going to cover it all. We, don't, we only have a few weeks. But we're going to hit a few major points and some important themes for us to understand. Uh, we'll be looking at some of the main players in this spiritual battle. Some of the tactics of our spiritual enemies, our real enemies. Some of the resources and weapons that we have at our disposal as God's people. But this week we're going to set the framework. Kind of set the table. And the first thing I want to say is that we are engaged in a spiritual battle, whether we believe it or admit it or not. And without God's help, we will lose. Did I get your attention? We are engaged in a spiritual battle, whether we realize it or not. And without God's help, we will lose. Now, in our 21st century, highly educated, sophisticated, scientific world, we don't often talk about this unseen world, the spiritual realm. I mean, often people tend to downplay or dismiss the idea that there's this, 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 there's forces of good and forces of evil that we can't see. Uh, people tend to maybe say something like, you know, I'm going to worry about a, a guy in a red suit with, with a pitchfork and with horns who's trying to get people to, to lie and to cheat and to steal and to, and to smoke and to drink and to take vacations in Vegas. No. I mean, if, you, if you think of it that way, it's, it's hard to take a cartoon character seriously. But Jesus and Paul after them, they're deadly serious when talking about the devil. And one of the most common ways that the devil deceives us is to lull us into not taking him seriously. In his classic work, The Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis, he was a, a professor at Oxford University. Uh, he was an atheist who became a believer, became a Christian. He wrote a lot of incredibly insightful books about faith and about reason, wrestled with some big questions, but he's most popularly known for writing the Chronicles of Narnia. Anyhow, in his book, The Screwtape Letters, he, Letters, he wrote, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race, the human race, can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, just dismiss them. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or magician with equal delight. You know, I suggest that in our world that most of us are more likely to make the first error, error because we live in a, you know, a very materialistic world. If we can't see something, we don't believe it. And any talk about spiritual forces at work behind the scenes in ways that science cannot monitor or measure is, is ridiculed these days as outdated or superstitious, ignorant. 
But as C.S. Lewis also once suggested, we find it impossible to believe in the unfamiliar when the familiar is constantly before our eyes. Another part of the problem is that we live in what's been called a highly therapeutic culture. You know, whenever we see something wrong in our world, we, we often don't want to use, speak about it in terms of sin or evil. We prefer to talk about it, well, people are, are broken or, or they're misguided or they're not realizing their potential and so on and so forth. But, but, but the problem of evil is, but re- evil is very real. In an article on leadership, in Leadership Journal on the topic of evil, John Ortberg, a pastor, recounts uh, an encounter he had with Scott Peck, who, a famous psychiatrist. And Peck was talking about an encounter he had with a depressed 15-year-old boy named Bobby. And Bobby was becoming increasingly depressed after his 16-year-old brother had killed himself with a 22 rifle. And, and Peck tried to connect with Bobby, but he wasn't getting anywhere. And so he tried, to, he tried to ask a question to establish a bond with Bobby. He said, what did your parents give you for, for Christmas? Bobby said, a gun. Peck was stunned. What kind of gun? A twenty-two. More stunned. How did it make you feel getting the same kind of gun that your brother used to kill himself? It wasn't the same kind of gun. Peck felt a little bit better. Bobby said, it was the same gun. Peck later met with the parents and he was, he was just stunned. He was bewildered and he was trying to understand what was going on here. And what struck him was that there was a cold heartedness, a hard heartedness, a deliberate refusal to acknowledge any wrongdoing on their part. There was a, a lack of love and a lack of human emotion and it rattled him. Two decades later, after his conversion to Christianity, Peck wrote about this encounter. He said, one thing has changed in 20 years. I now know Bobby's parents were evil. I did not know it then. My supervisors were not able to help me name what I was facing. We simply did not have a word for this in our professional vocabulary. As scientists rather than priests, we were not supposed to think in such terms as evil. We must realize As Paul wrote, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against these dark forces and operating in this unseen world, forces that want to destroy us and tear us down. And we must remind ourselves in the midst of all that's going on in our world that our real battle is not with other people. It's with those dark forces. Now, as I said earlier, of course, there will be people who will be opposed to us people with whom we vehemently disagree. And yes, we are to stand on principles and be bold in our faith and work diligently to advance the values and priorities of the kingdom of God. But we must never hate others. We must not hold contempt for others. We must not demonize others. We are to follow Jesus' example and love and serve and pray for all kinds of people, and especially those who stand against the things of God. Because our real battle is not with them, it's with Satan. Now, though the battle is very real and it's very serious, we don't need to freak out. Uh, In the Apostle John's first letter he wrote in chapter 4, he begins the chapter by warning Christians about the lies and tactics of evil and evil spirits, of the Antichrist. And then in verse 4 he assures us, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them 
Because the one who is in you, Jesus who is in you, is greater than the one, Satan, who is in the world. So we don't need to be afraid because Jesus has won the war. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and then three days later he rose from the dead, our greatest enemies of Satan, sin, and death were vanquished. There is, there is no mystery surrounding who's going to be the winner. It's not up in the air. The fact, and that fact alone, ought to fill us with great hope and great joy and great, and great assurance. And, and the evil one, Satan, he knows he has no chance. He knows it's, it's, it's all over but the shouting. But that does not mean that he is willing to go away quietly into the night. Many of you would recognize the name Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a, a, a German Lutheran pastor in, in Nazi Germany. And he was martyred for his role in the resistance against Hitler. He was executed two weeks before his concentration camp was liberated. And this happened over and over, all over Nazi-occupied territories. Weeks, a few weeks, a few hours, a few days before, before they were liberated, uh, prisoners were being executed. And it was simply because, because Hitler and his men were full of spite and evil. They wanted to tear down and take down as many as possible with them. They knew their defeat was sure. But they wanted to continue to battle to the last possible moment to destroy and, and hurt and harm. Which is exactly what Satan is doing. So though we don't need to be afraid, we do need to be aware that we're in a battle. Peter says this about it. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. Now we're going to talk about this more next week, but the devil is not on the same level with God. This is not a battle of equals. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Satan is not. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. Satan is not. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Satan cannot do that. God is eternal. No beginning, no end. Satan has had a beginning, and Satan will surely have an end. So in the battle between God and Satan, it's a mismatch. And if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, then you're on the winning side. Greater is Jesus who is in you than Satan who is in the world. When you put your trust in Christ, you're you're saved. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You belong to Christ, and Satan cannot change that. And he knows it. But Satan is very wily. And so are his evil forces. And he seeks to destroy our, our reputations, our relationships, our churches, our marriages, our families, our health, our character. And he can make us ineffective. And he can drag us down. And he can tempt us. He can discourage us. He can cause us to live in in fear. Remember the story of Jesus in the desert? Right before Jesus went to start his public ministry, he took 40 days and spent time in the desert praying and fasting. And, And remember what happens? Satan comes to him three separate times to tempt Jesus, to get Jesus to take shortcuts, to elevate himself, to, to avoid the pain and suffering, to, 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 to stop on his path towards the cross. And remember what Jesus does in response to Satan's temptation and his tricks? He quotes scripture. He speaks God's truth. 
He remembers and stands upon his, his father's words and promises. We can do the same and we are to do the same. Second Timothy 1.7 tells us, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind. We don't have to fear Satan. We can stand against the forces of evil. We can experience victory over temptation. We can see the kingdom of God moving forward as we seek God, as we love mercy, as we do justice, as we walk humbly before our God. We can see lives changed through the power of the good news of Jesus Christ, who died and rose again. So remember, we are in a spiritual battle. And without God's help, we will lose. Remember, our real battle is not with other people. It's with Satan and the forces of evil. And remember, we don't need to be afraid. For even though we are in a battle, Jesus has won the war. The victory is decided. And the victory is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that he is greater than anything in this world and certainly is greater than Satan. We thank you, Father, that um, we uh, have the victory through Jesus. And Lord, help us to be mindful in the midst of all the, all the stuff going on in our world, in our society. All the stuff that's happening online or in front of us on TV, Lord. Help us remember that we do not battle against flesh and blood. That ultimately other people are not our enemies. Yet ultimately our enemy, our real enemy, the one who can destroy us and destroy is, is Satan. And so, Lord, we, we, uh, we ask for your help. We ask for your, your uh, wisdom. Uh, and we stand upon your promises. Uh, help us to be your people in this world and to show your love and your grace and your mercy, uh, your peace, your justice, your love uh, as we live our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.